0: going to begin a little series on the benefits of church membership so uh, the title of this one this morning is the first benefit uh, that's being a member of the body of Christ um, uh, this will be uh, it'll take us several several weeks to get through this 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 setup but uh, um, I think this is going to be important we haven't really touched membership uh, since I've been here uh, and and What people have found is uh, churches that have a lax membership policies um, at uh, Some time it usually ends up backfiring on them. What's found is that you know people will will come uh, They will you know tithe they they will give they will work. They will pray. They will cry. They will grow But then something will happen, you know rub them the wrong way and whatever and they leave and almost to a person one of the first things out of their mouths when you know accountability is, is sought after or even just an explanation is sought they uh, almost always invariably say well we aren't members anyways we never join the church now now this leads me to believe that people expect to need to become you know the official members of the churches that they attend so Uh, To avoid any issues, uh, we're going to spend some time laying out our baptistic position of church membership. Uh, My intent is to deal with the benefits of this, all right? Uh, But let me begin by directing your attention to kind of a broader foundational subject, because we're going to build a house, we need a good foundation, right? Um, It's related to what's often called, often mentioned, phrase in our circles, and, and, and that's the body of Christ. Uh, But there is some confusion about that. Uh, There's three general ways that the phrase the body is used in the New Testament. and Unfortunately, the phrase the body is used by most Christians um, doesn't exactly line up with what the Bible says. The first phrase, uh, first time that the phrase is used, the first way it's used, the body, is used in connection with our Lord's body, his actual physical body, his fleshly body. Uh, Just jot down these, if you're taking notes, jot down these references. You'll have to do some homework. We won't have time to go through them all. But you'll see how the phrase, the body, was used uh, to refer to Jesus' human body, first of all. In Matthew 27, verses 58 58 and 59, it says this. And he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth. Right now, Mark 15 verse 42 luke 23 verse 52 and then john 19 verse 38 and verse 40 they just parallel that talking about the body of jesus in luke 24 and verse 3 and then john 20 and verse 12 that also deals with jesus's body but in this case it's his body being you know empty gone gone from the tomb the tomb is empty so so the body's gone and this references in Romans 7 and 1 Corinthians 10 and Hebrews 10 that deal with uh, being dead to the law by the body of Christ uh, because of what Jesus did. Uh, also represents our communion. Um, when we have communion, it represents the body of Christ and us being sanctified through the offering of Jesus' body. Uh, Paul is unique. Of course, we know that. Paul, Paul was a unique fellow. But the phrase, the body of Christ, is unique to Paul. Um, the context shows that Paul's referring to the human body when he mentions it in Romans 7 and 1 Corinthians 10. Um, usually he'll say, you know, the body of Christ. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll add that on there. Uh, in Romans 7, it's verse 4, 1 Corinthians uh, 10, it's verse 16. Uh, Paul uses the phrase the body in connection here with Christ but it's not referring to his human body uh, but to the body of Christ which is the local church now I I want you to hang on to that distinction the body of Christ which is the local church that's going to be key a little bit later if you're in 1 Corinthians 12 we need to read a big chunk of scripture all right we don't normally read a a chunk this big so I need you to uh, kind of follow along stay with me uh, about halfway through, we may actually take a break and catch our breath and finish the passage, okay? Uh, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to find verse 12, and then we're going to read down to verse 28. So beginning in verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and, and not all members of that one, and, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, um, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, am I not of the body, it is therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, uh, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you nay much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary okay everybody take a breath take a break okay you with me okay let's go on verse 23 and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness for our comely parts have no need but god hath tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to, uh, to that part which, which lacked. Verse 25, uh, that there should be no schism in the body, and that the members shall have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles and gifts and healing helps, governments, diversities, and tongues. Okay, we made it through. Everybody take your breath. There we go. Now, it should be uh, fairly obvious from this passage, and, and just let me back up and make a note. This is going to be more of a teaching kind of sermon. Okay, There's not going to be a lot of action required when we're done. Uh, this is going to be some, some foundation for us as we move forward into why it's important uh, to, to join the church you attend and what the advantages are to, uh, to, to being a member of the church you attend. So kind of keep that in mind, more of a lesson necessarily than a sermon. But it ought to be obvious from the passage that Paul's intent uh, with the phrase the body of Christ is to be understood as, as the congregation at Corinth, uh, not a reference to all Christians everywhere. Uh, The context of the book of Corinthians deals with with sin and bad doctrine in the Corinthian congregation. And the baptism that is in verse 13, uh, we have to make a note, that is not spirit baptism. It is water baptism, which is how Christians become members of their local New Testament churches. Now, let me show you why. If you look at verse 13, and this is where it's going to get real kind of class here, okay? says, for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Now there are eight possible ways uh, that we can interpret this passage, and no, we are not looking at all eight. Whew, right? Okay. Uh, it depends on how, how, how you interpret three words here. It's uh, spirit, baptize, and body. Okay, th- those are the three keys. And it would be laborious to go through all eight of them, but if you want to come by the office sometime this week, I'll take you through. Okay, we'll sit down and we'll look at all eight of them. Some of them uh, end up ridiculous, but they're possibilities. But anyways, um, let's just take two of the main ones, two, two, two of the ones that uh, I guess are the, the closest to being Right, the first one, by one spirit, if you look at verse 13, by one spirit, by, by the Holy Spirit, we are all baptized, that would be spirit baptism, into one body, that would be the universal invisible church. The other way, by one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, we are all baptized, that's water baptism, into one body, one local assembly. Now those are the two that we're going to focus on this morning. The first one, we we have to make a note, we have to understand that spirit baptism is not the same as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that took place at your salvation. Spirit baptism is, is recorded only three times in the book of Acts. And each time, each time there were obvious perceivable manifestations of this such as cloven tongues of fire, uh, a rushing wind, or speaking and hearing in other real, learnable, existing languages, things like that. These things do not happen when somebody gets saved today. Right? They're, 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 they're not baptized in the Spirit at salvation, as some would mistakenly claim. Now, since spirit baptism doesn't happen uh, when one, then, then really you can't get baptized into a universal invisible body of Christ, seeing that baptism of the spirit is how you would end up there. Uh, so if the condition doesn't occur, then neither does the result. And again, the distinction, and I know this, this seems unimportant, but it is important for us later. Spirit baptism is not the same as spirit indwelling. It's sloppy theology to equate the two. So that leaves us with that last one which which is the only right option. It is by or through or on account of the Holy Spirit and his work somebody is water baptized into the membership of their local congregation. This best fits the context of 1 Corinthians 12 and it fits the context of the book of Corinthians Water baptism or the testimony of water baptism from another church of like faith and practice is how Christians become members of a New Testament church. Now, look at verse 26. Uh, Verse 26 can only be a practical reality here on earth if the body of Christ is a local congregation. It says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now thirdly, Paul declares that the Corinthian church to be the body of Christ and members in particular. This is in verse 27, which we'll come back to a little later. By doing this, Paul is distinguishing all the the other churches from the Corinthian church, from the Corinthian congregation. He's showing them that they, on their own, by themselves are a church in the fullest sense of the word. They're separate from other churches. Now, verse 28, there's a reference to uh, setting the apostles first in the church. Now, what is this referring to? Well, if you, again, jot this down, do some homework. Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 4, Luke chapter 6, 12 to 16. You'll see that during Jesus' earthly ministry... Uh, he chose 12 men, designated them apostles, so according to Paul's explanation then, uh, the apostles being the first ones set in the church, the church had to exist uh, before they were chosen. The, so this, this, this entity, this thing called the body of Christ in verse 27, which is termed the church in verse 28, came into existence before our Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. This is different from what most Christians believe or, 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 or what most Christians think when they, when they toss around the phrase, the body of Christ and the church. Now, why is it different? Well, it's because what most of Christians mean when they say the body of Christ and the church is not what the Bible refers to when, they, when, when that phrase is used. Now, all that being said, there's four other verses that we need to pay attention to here. Uh, that Paul makes reference to uh, churches being the body of Christ, uh, them being assembled together, uh, assemblies of Christ, of uh, baptized believers rather than the human body. You're familiar with Ephesians four 4:12, um, 4. where it says that uh, it's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You drop down to verse 16, It says, "From whom the whole body fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplyeth, according to the effectual working in every measure, uh, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto itself and unto the edifying of itself in love." Chapter five, verse twenty-three says, "For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body." Colossians chapter one, verse eighteen, and he is the head of the body. The church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now, now this is this is important for us to set the foundation for our talks later, our sermons later on church membership. But we've we've covered the most prominent verses, I guess, in the New Testament that deal with the phrase "the bodies," uh, so that we see that the body. Uh, um, Can refer to the the physical body of our Lord. It can refer to uh, churches here, but uh, um, the word church itself, ecclesia, um, the body of the church, the church. It means a called-out assembly. That's what the word means. We're a church. We're a called-out. We've been called out of the world. We've been called out of Juno to assemble together, and it presupposes not only the ability to assemble but also the doing of the assembling and it does that so much that if it can't assemble now it can't now be called a church or a body of christ so the body of christ is sometimes a reference when you hear the phrase the body of christ sometimes a reference to christ's fleshly body um, whenever the body of Christ is used in the four Gospels especially, you can count on it meaning Jesus' own body that God prepared for him, that he implanted in Mary, that was sacrificed for our sins, that rose again the third day. Uh, the phrase, the body of Christ, that Paul uses in Romans uh, 7 and 1 Corinthians 10, uh, the writer of Hebrews uses it in, in, in Hebrews 10. It refers to the body of Christ, the physical body. And then sometimes it's a reference to, to a church. See, on, again, only the Apostle Paul uses this phrase, "the body of Christ." Um, except for Romans 7:4, uh, 1 Corinthians 10:16, this phrase, "The body of Christ," is used in a metaphorical sense. It's used to, to illustrate, uh, to denote a single congregation of believers, an assembled group of believers. Uh, He never uses the phrase in an inclusive sense with reference to all Christians everywhere. Paul just doesn't do that. The notion that the body of Christ refers to all Christians everywhere, I mean, yes, a lot of people believe that, but it's just not found in Scripture. You have to read the idea into it. Now, if you want to call yourself part of the body of Christ, meaning all Christians everywhere, that's fine. It's n- not biblically accurate, but nobody's going to call you a heretic if you want to do that. You can even come up to me after the service and tell me all the ways you think I'm wrong. That, that's okay, too. Uh, but the Bible still says what it says. It still means what it means. And in case you're worried, this is not something to break fellowship over but it is foundational to understanding the importance of being a member of the church that you attend. Remember Colossians 1.18. Uh, It's it's, 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 it's crucial to understanding this where where the phrase the body uh, is used as a reference to the New Testament church. Paul asserts that, that, that he is the head of the body, the church, all right? The body, the church. Here Paul is said to place the body and the church in apposition to each other. And what that means is that when, when something is in apposition, things are in apposition, two words or phrases are placed side by side to show that they have identical meanings. Now this tells us that, that, that Paul is in, in Colossians 1.18 showing that the body and the church are the same. So it's appropriate to exchange the phrase the body of the church, the church or the body. That's okay. The problem uh, is is that most folks it's it's not that they use the terms interchangeably, they, they attach inaccurate meanings to them. Of the hundred plus times the word for church, ecclesia, is used in the New Testament, it does with no exception refer to a local assembly of believers that not only are called out to assemble, but can actually assemble together. That means that, that the phrase, the body of Christ, isn't used to refer to all Christians everywhere. How, how can the body of Christ refer to all Christians when entrance into the body is not by spirit baptism, but immersion in water, like we saw in Colossians twelve thirteen. How can the body of Christ refer to all Christians? Paul purposely indicated that the Corinthians were, if you look at verse 27 again, uh, in in the Greek it is Humes di esta soma Christu kai melee ek meros. Pronunciation may be a little off. It literally means you are a body of Christ. That's the literal translation of that. It distinguishes them from all other bodies of Christ, all other churches. How can the body of Christ refer to all Christians when, when the following conditions applies, according to First Corinthians 12, 26, that, 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 that when one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or when one member is honored, all members are, are rejoicing with it. As much as, as we wish it was true, we don't suffer with persecuted Christians that we don't know are being persecuted. We, we we find out about them later, and that sorrows us, but we don't suffer with them uh, when they're able to, to to meet together without the persecution for a while. We don't rejoice with them. We don't even know about them often until after the fact. So how can it possibly refer to all Christians everywhere? It just... It, it can't, and it doesn't. Now let's wrap up class. All right? Sometimes, always in the Gospels, twice in Paul's writings, the phrase the body referred to the real, live, physical body of Christ. Almost always in Paul's writings, the body refers to neither the human body nor to all Christians everywhere but to congregations gathered together just like ours. Churches that comprise are, are, are comprised of born-again people, people that have trusted Jesus as their Savior. They've been immersed in, 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 in water as a sign of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ by the authority of their churches after they were converted to Christ. Why then are there so many who are convinced that the phrase the body of Christ refers to Christians everywhere? Uh, 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 what they think is a universal church, and, and so they see n- see no need to officially join their local congregation because that I mean that, that's their argument the vast majority of the time I don't need to join your church I'm already a member of the body right I'm not I'm not positive but I have an idea why this is such a thing um, Look it's it's taken some fifteen to sixteen hundred years just to get baptism by immersion figured out. Um, if it took that long to persuade folks of something so simple and so obvious and so easy to see as believer's baptism, it's not really a wonder that most people will be confused or, or, or off on this phrase, the body of Christ, the church. Um, this, is, this is Baptist stuff that we're dealing with. Although we don't have Baptist in our name, we are you know, thoroughly, absolutely a Baptist church. And though there are quite a number of folks who are called Baptist and call themselves Baptists, not, there's not nearly so many of them that will rightly divide the word of truth and believe the Bible doctrines that, that are presented in the word of God. Now Why? Why spend so much time on this? The reason that we've, we've done this is to show you that this church, this church is a body of Christ. And we need that foundation so that later on we can more easily see the other advantages to being a member of this body of Christ. Now, I'm, I'm hoping that I present it in a way that it can be easily seen uh, that, that if you are a member of this church you are a member of the body of Christ uh, and there are advantages to that all right? um, but again if you want to call it something else that's fine okay? but it's important for us moving forward to be biblically accurate with the terms that we use so that we know exactly what we're talking about and why they're so important for us We are Northland Bible Church. Those who who are members are are members of this body of Christ. God has pulled you out of Juno. He's pulled you out of the world, led you to join this particular assembly, meaning he has plans for you. He has plans for us that involve you. And if they're God's plans, they are important plans. And we need to be on the same page and we need to be heading the right direction and, and, and we need to be a cohesive body so that God can more, more, better, more better work through us because there'll be no schism. All right, class is over. Stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Father we thank you for this quick look into your word and, and Lord I, I pray that it has been clear. Lord I, I don't know if it has I trust that your spirit would have made it so with my fumblings and um, the Lord thank you mm-hmm. those of us who you have saved that have been baptized that have joined this church. Thank you that we are uh, we are your body in Juno. Lord, there are other churches in town that are of like faith and practice. They are bodies of Christ in Juno. Thank you that you have called us out, that you have fit us together, that you have crafted us for a, for a particular purpose. And I pray, Father, as we move forward through this, that uh, you would help us uh, more clearly define that purpose. That we can join you where you're working. Lord, we recognize Jesus as as the head of this body. That he is in charge. He is our provider. He is our initiator. He is the one that directs and guides and leads us. We thank you for him. And for all that he has done to put us in this body. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead, please?